Welcome to Law Talk, a podcast series produced by the University of Minnesota Law School featuring events, webinars, and panel discussions about diverse topics at the intersection of law, policy, and education. This episode, Talking Sports Law with Hakeem Onafawakan, explores the career path of Minnesota Law Class of 2015 graduate Hakeem Onafawakan and his journey from law student to his current role as corporate counsel at NASCAR. Career counselor Hallie Prest kicks off the discussion with opening remarks, followed by a conversation with Hakeem Onafawakan, moderated by 2L, Taryn Sharma. This program concludes with questions from the audience. This event was co-sponsored by the Minnesota Law's Office of Admissions and Career Center. If you're thinking of attending law school and would like to join our community of lawyer leaders, visit the admissions page at law.umn.edu forward slash admissions. This webinar was originally recorded on March 16th, 2021. Subscribe to Minnesota Law Podcast Feed on SoundCloud or via your preferred podcast network. For more Law Talk episodes, as well as other podcast content produced by Minnesota Law. Hello, everyone. Thank you for being here and welcome to the University of Minnesota Law School's Go Further webinar, Talking Sports Law with Akeem Anafawakan. Today's event is co-sponsored by Minnesota Law's Office of Admission and the Career Center. My name is Hallie Prest, and I'm a graduate of the class of 2012 and a career counselor in the Career Center. And one of the best things about my work as a career counselor for my alma mater is having a courtside view of the many amazing, impactful things our students and alums do with their law degrees. So with that, I am very excited to introduce today's panelists. Hakeem Anafawakan is a 2015 grad of the law school and is currently serving as corporate counsel for NASCAR in its Daytona Beach, Florida headquarters. Seeking to combine his love of sports and his desire to work in the legal field, Hakeem went to law school immediately after earning a Bachelor of Science degree in sports management at the University of Minnesota. He interned in NASCAR's public and government affairs department after his second year at Minnesota Law and was a law clerk in the company's legal department after his third year. He joined NASCAR in his current corporate counsel role in 2018, where he drafts and assists with contracts and agreements on behalf of the organization. Taryn Sharma is a second-year law student and current vice president of the Student Sports Law Association. Taryn also contributes to the Sports Law podcast, Conduct Detrimental. We will drop a link to the podcast series in the chat function here for those who want to follow the podcast. Before law school, Taryn worked in analytics and operations for two major league baseball teams, the San Francisco Giants and the Arizona Diamondbacks. Taryn will be asking Hakeem a variety of questions today, focusing on his career, Minnesota law experience, and how he stayed connected as an alum. Before I turn it over to our panelists, a few quick Zoom housekeeping items. Today's webinar is being recorded and the link to the recording will be shared via email to all registrants following the event. We have live audio captioning enabled. Please click on the live transcript feature at the bottom of your Zoom screen to view or hide these captions throughout today's discussion. We'll reserve time at the end for our panel to address questions submitted via the Q&A feature found at the bottom of your Zoom screen. Feel free to input your questions there and I will address the panel with the questions we receive at the end of the conversation. So without further ado, I'll turn it over to Taryn and Hakeem. Thank you so much, Hallie. Hakeem, thanks so much for taking the time to speak with the Minnesota law community today. I know that we've had an opportunity to speak uh, offline a couple times about some of the uh, topics that we're going to cover today. And I think that prospective and current students and even alumni are going to be able to gain a lot from hearing about your journey and your experiences. So thanks again. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. So let's start here. You're a native Minnesotan, and from what I understand as somebody who came to the U from out, from out of state, a lot of people will leave Minnesota for their education and then return to the state to raise their families. So what drew you to the University of Minnesota and the law school in particular? Yeah, so like you mentioned, I, I grew up in Minnesota, born and raised. In high school, I knew I wanted to major in sports management in college. Uh, in some form or fashion. So looking at the colleges with sports management degrees, um, the University of Minnesota made the most sense for me at that time uh, for financial reasons, but also uh, to stay close with my family and friends. Um, and with the law school, I kind of had a similar process 
uh, thought process with that as well. Um, I, like, I knew I wanted to work on the legal side in the sports organization and use my sports management degree to do that. Um, and, and I knew there were a, a ton of legal opportunities um, in the Minneapolis market uh, in the four major sports uh, and a major Division One college program. Um, so it, that kind of all lined up in terms of going um, to the law school and checked all my boxes for that. You mentioned some of the factors that you had considered in making that decision. What advice would you have for an admitted student that's considering uh, Minnesota law and some other law schools? Yeah. So my, I mean, from my biased opinion, being an alum, like I think the university of Minnesota law school is a great school to go to not only because it's a, you know, a top 20, top 25 school, but because there's so many different opportunities in the city or in the state, actually, um, whether it's the great law firms, uh, these great sports organizations, um, the uh, the amount of Fortune 500 companies um, that are there and also big local companies that are there as well. Um, so for either admitted law students or, or students thinking about going to law school, I think Minnesota um, offers a lot for students uh, looking into going into the legal profession. Yeah, I think you touched on something that's a bit of um, like speaks to how much of a hidden gem Minnesota and the uh, and the Twin Cities are. There's more Fortune 500 companies in the Twin Cities than any other metro area except for New York and New Jersey. And I think that people would be a little bit surprised to hear that. I know that I was when I was making this decision. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think um, we'll talk about sports in a little bit, but I think. Um, just that amount of local um, organizations within the city, uh, within Minneapolis, St. Paul, the surrounding suburbs, um, all, all of those uh, companies have dozens of attorneys. Um, so they're always looking for talent. And they, they usually pull locally. So that's that's always helpful. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about sports law. Uh, obviously, you studied sports management. So was it your intent? Uh, when you came into law school that you were going to try to work in sports law? Yeah, I think, I think uh, it was, yeah, it was always my intent in high school. Um, I think uh, after watching the movie, Jerry Maguire, I think originally I wanted to be, be a sports agent. Um, I, I, you know, I want that glamorous life of representing athletes in the NFL or um, in the NBA or major league baseball um, but after doing um, so many informational interviews with different sports uh, uh, agents um, in college and some in law school as well, kind of realized that like that wasn't really going to be my path. Um, but I still wanted to be uh, involved in uh, in a sports organization or a sports league in some form or fashion. Um, so that really still um, uh, led me to the uh, to the path of working in sports. And when you were at the law school, were there any student organizations that you were involved in? Yeah. So in law school, I was a part of the uh, Black Law Student Association, um, the Criminal Justice League, and also the the Sports Law Association um, throughout my three years there. One of the goals that I've had uh, since I've been at the law school is to help develop our sports law base. It didn't seem right to me that our program wasn't bigger given all of the factors that you mentioned at the outset. How could a stronger sports law association at Minnesota Law help future students pursue a career like yours? Yeah, definitely. I think a a stronger student organization, um, I think the the power in that is really the power of networking. Um, So obviously networking within the group of students that are actually there, um, participating in the organization, or interested in sports or entertainment, um, just because you know you all are going to um, graduate and become successful lawyers in your own uh, form or fashion in your own industries. So networking early on is extremely important there. Um, but then also networking with other students throughout uh, the country and uh, different law schools. Um, for example, like Marquette and Tulane Law School. I know they have big sports management programs there or sports law programs, excuse me. And I know they do like certain competitions. Um, So if you're able to um, have a group of students from the University of Minnesota participate in those competitions, be able to network with um, not only the students there, but also the attorneys there as well. Um, And something similar to that end, like networking with the attorneys um, from like my time in law school, 
whenever I reached out to attorneys, they were extremely happy to talk with me and do informational interviews and um, tell me like their stories on how they ended up with the Minnesota Vikings or uh, the Minnesota Wild or Minnesota United. Um, so definitely using that opportunity as a student organization to get those attorneys in um, and speak with the class or the group, uh, I think is extremely beneficial. Yeah. And so sports law isn't a concentration at Minnesota law, but is there a particular concentration that the school does offer like business or labor and employment that would be better suited for pursuing a career like yours? Yeah. So in law school, I concentrated in labor and employment. Um, But like the one thing I've learned and continue to learn, like as a sports attorney and just meeting and, and networking with people in the industry is that there's not really one uh, path to becoming a sports attorney uh, for working at NASCAR, working with the NFL or NBA. There's no one path. So I would say like my advice is always to take classes that you're interested in. Um, and if that lines up with a, a business concentration or a labor concentration, labor and employment concentration, then it doesn't hurt to have that. Um, but I wouldn't go into a business concentration with the, um, with the goal of landing a sports job afterwards because um, there's so many different paths that one person can take. I think it's really interesting that you had this focus and uh, and you didn't necessarily have blinders on that you were only focused on that one thing. You sort of made yourself well-rounded. Yeah, I, I, I well, thank you very much. I definitely I tried to um, at least uh, I, th- I think one like one key that I did that was extremely helpful was just doing a lot of informational interviews with attorneys um, in areas that I thought I wanted to be in or areas I didn't want to think I wanted to be in, but just really understanding what their day-to-day looked like, whether it's in, um, you know, a district attorney's office, or if it's in a big law firm or a small law firm, or it's with a local government organization, um, doing those informational interviews kind of reaffirmed my, my goal and, and passion for the sports industry. And you paid that forward. That's uh, how we initially <laughs> met. So I appreciate that. Let's talk a little bit more about your uh, your legal education at Minnesota Law, uh, and maybe how that gave you an edge in the in the job tra- trajectory that you were pursuing. Uh, how did your legal education at Minnesota Law really help you prepare for the work that you're doing now? Yeah, well, I think um, I think going to a top twenty, top twenty five law school definitely helps with any. Um, prospective jobs that you're looking to get into, um, no matter if it's, you know, with a local government organization or if it's with a major law firm. I think that definitely helps, especially if you're wanting to practice in the state of Minnesota. Um, I think the, the University of Minnesota is probably uh, easily the best law school in the state to attend. Um, I mean, in terms of like any, you know, success that I've had um, um, coming off of that, I think it really kind of falls into three different areas. It's usually um, like my hard work and effort, obviously, um, but it's also like the time and effort that people in my life have poured into me over time, whether it's my family, my friends, my fiance, my coworkers, mentors, um, different attorneys, like they've, you know, they've helped me um, get to the point where I'm at to grow personally and professionally. Um, and then a lot, especially in, in sports, but just a, in my opinion, a lot in life is just uh, a luck. Right. So there's, um, you know, especially in in sports, so much of the opportunities really comes down to timing. Um, And and I think luck really kind of plays a a large part in that. And so you took all of these different opportunities and and did great work at them. Was there one particular opportunity or class or job that helped prepare you the most for where you are now? Yeah. So I guess in, I mean, in terms of classes, like in law school, I mean, I'm a transactional lawyer, so I deal with contracts all day. So contract law, um, contracts and contract drafting, obviously something that I use every single day of my career. Um, in terms of opportunities outside of law school, um, I think the, the biggest, um, the biggest opportunity for me was with NASCAR after my second year of law school, interning with our public and governmental affairs department. Um, got me really a foot in into the sports industry, uh, but then also with NASCAR um, in particular. 
And I, I know that there's a lot of pressure put on that summer employment process. I just went through it myself. Uh, did you think that if you hadn't had that opportunity at NASCAR, would it have been impossible for you, you think, to to get into the position where you are now? Uh, I wouldn't say impossible. Um, I think, obviously, I was extremely lucky um, just kind of getting the getting the internship and then, you know, starting with NASCAR early in my career after graduating. Um, but I would say it, it really, like, kind of going back to what I like mentioned earlier, like every, everyone's path is so different. Um, like I, I know attorneys that work in the sports industry that, um, you know, started in-house right after law school, right after they graduated. Um, they were very fortunate on the flip side. I know attorneys that probably worked in different industries that they weren't really passionate about for 10 or 15 years before they finally got a, got a job in um, sports. So even if I didn't have the internship to begin with at NASCAR, I think eventually I would have landed there. Um, it's just a matter of <laughs> when that would be. Yeah. So uh, in, in wrapping up just this brief section, uh, if you had to distill all of that into one biggest key piece of advice that you're offering to somebody who's interested in a sports and entertainment law path, uh, what would that yeah, so I would say the, I mean, obviously, like the sports and entertainment industry in particular for, for attorneys is extremely competitive. Um, so my advice for students is always to take a, a 360 degree approach when looking at job opportunities, um, especially within the sports industry. Um, so I think like being in Minnesota is a perfect example. Um, so say if your goal is to work in-house with a professional sports team in Minnesota, um, there's only, you know, I think there's only like five major sports teams in Minnesota, the big four and, um, uh, Minnesota United, um, out of those, I think the Vikings have three in-house attorneys, the twins have one, the Timberwolves don't have anyone in-house with the actual Timberwolves organization. Uh, Minnesota wild have, has one attorney, Minnesota United has one attorney. So, um, if you if your goal is that narrow, um, it's going to really limit your your odds of actually um, getting employment in that. So I say take a 360 degree approach in terms of really understanding the partners uh, that those organizations work with. So whether it's the law firms uh, that they do work with, uh, whether it's the local uh, corporate sponsors that they do work with uh, in Minnesota. So like we talked about earlier, all the Fortune 500 companies. Um, they all have, you know, dozens of attorneys and they also have partnership agreements, sponsorship agreements uh, with those sports organizations, whether it's Target, with Target Center, Target Field. Um, you have U.S. Bank, you have 3M, you have Cargill, you have Best Buy. Um, so all those organizations have attorneys where you can, you know, kind of go in, learn um, uh, and, and do really good work. And then hopefully, you know, down the line, you can transition that into a sports team. And then also thinking large on a larger scale um, about the national corporate sponsors or vendors like Nike or Adidas or Fanatics. I mean, they all have dozens of attorneys, um, not necessarily dealing with a sports team itself, but still in the sports industry. Um, same thing working uh, with a league level or at the union level. Um, I know like the NFL and like the NFLPA, I have the chance of interning there briefly. Um, and they have, you know, a dozen lawyers there too. Um, and then also like, don't, don't limit yourself to uh, the conventional sports, like the major four, I would say be open to different opportunities outside. Um, so like me, like NASCAR, I didn't know anything about NASCAR before getting the internship, but I was open to that opportunity. Um, same thing like, now with esports um, is is very big. Twitch is very big. Um, all these social media companies are partnering with sports leagues, um, so that's extremely big. And I think that's a, another way to kind of enter the the uh, path um, of of going in house as a sports attorney um, for either a team or a league. Uh, and then also, really, networking is is major in in the sports industry. Um, so especially for students, I think the Sports Lawyers Association is a great opportunity to meet and network with um, people that have jobs that, you know, you might want down the line. 
I know when I was um, in my second year, I went to the uh, uh, annual conference. I think it was in Denver at that time. And I met dozens of attorneys that I still um, either, you know, bounce ideas off of now or stay in contact with. So I think that's extremely important as well. Um, I mean, like ultimately, I think the the more open you are to opportunities uh, within the sports industry or within the entertainment industry, uh, the more open you are, the more opportunities will open for you. Yeah, I really like that 360 degree view. That's, uh, I mean, speaks quite literally to being well-rounded. Um, so you mentioned your current role at NASCAR, uh, the little bit of background that we've covered. You had a internship there after your second year, but then you left and you came back. Uh, so could you tell us a little bit more about the process of ending up in the corporate counsel role that you have now? Yeah, of course. So um I got my internship through the NASCAR Diversity Internship Program, which is entering its 21st year um, this summer. Um, So back in the summer of 2014, I worked with our public and governmental affairs department. Um, So those are uh, more on the lobbying side of things, so not really in the legal department that I work now. But during that summer, I was not only like working with the attorneys in our public and governmental affairs department, but I was also working and networking with the attorneys in our legal department. Um, so even we're even though we're under the same umbrella, we kind of have two different functions. Um, so with the attorneys in the legal department, I would still network with them after I left. Um, they reached out to me saying like, hey, we have a summer internship position. Um, you do, I, We know you do great work from the governmental affairs department. Like, would you want to come back um, and, and be a, a law clerk? And I said, yeah, of course. Um, So after doing that, um, there wasn't any full-time jobs opening at NASCAR just because our our team is pretty small here. Um, But um, after that, I got, uh, luckily, I was looking for other opportunities um, in the sports industry, and I I got an opportunity with the NFL Players Association. Uh, So the union representing NFL players in Washington, uh, D.C. that they're based in. Um, So I worked there for about uh, six or seven months in the 2015, uh, 2016 season. Um, and, and that was, that was a blast. Um, I did like, I, I thought I did great work there, obviously, but like I mentioned earlier, like jobs in sports are extremely competitive and once, and, and once like people are in them, they usually don't leave. So in the, like at the NFLPA at the time I was there, the youngest attorney there was there for 10 years. So that kind of paints a picture of like no one's really giving up these jobs just because, you know, they're fun, they're great, they're challenging. Um, and it's, you know, it's it's obviously like pretty cool to work in sports. Um, so after that, I was looking for other jobs um, back in Minnesota where I'm barred. Um, worked, ended up uh, getting a job with the League of Minnesota Cities. Um, so a complete uh, 180 from working in sports, working in local government. Um, So I did that for about two years before I got a call from our former general counsel um, here at NASCAR. Um, She gave me a call and uh, let me know that there was a position open if I was interested. And I said, of course. Um, So uh, luckily, I came back um, back in uh, May of 2018, been here for almost three years now. Was it ever hard during that that time? You know, you're doing good work everywhere you go and people like you and and you want to be there and and it, it just doesn't line up at that moment. Is it hard uh, to not get discouraged at that time? Yeah, no, I, I think it, it definitely is. Um, but it also like everything, it, it comes back to like having perspective. So like at that time, it's like I'm like two years out of law school and it's like I, I'm really like devastated that I don't have a job in sports. But at the same time, I'm still networking with other attorneys um, through the the Sports Lawyers Association or through other uh, organizations or through informational interviews. And they're telling me that it took 10 or 15 years for them to get into sports. So like that really gave me perspective to, you know, not be so hard on myself and to really uh, be patient and uh, continue to do good good work, learn how to be the best lawyer that I could be. Um, and then also just kind of be prepared for that opportunity when it does arise. So in this time uh, that you've been at NASCAR, you mentioned that you've worked on a lot of contracts. Uh, I'm wondering, do you have a favorite project that you've worked on, something that you consider to be the most exciting? 
Yeah, definitely. Um, so working in in the sports industry, at least I find the the most exciting projects are the projects that you kind of see start on paper and really come to life. Um, so my top two right now would be uh, working on our next gen race car. Um, so the next gen race car is a new race car that's debuting um, in the NASCAR Cup Series next year. So in 2022, originally it's supposed to debut this past Daytona 500, uh, but due to COVID kind of um, delayed everything back about a year. Uh, but this has been a project that making for at least the last three or four years. Um, and I've had the, you know, the great opportunity of, of joining about a year and a half ago and working on uh, the various supplier agreements that go into to making the actual car. Um, so then uh, last December, when um, our competition team was doing testing, uh, they actually came across the street to Daytona International Speedway to test the car. Um, so they, they gave uh, me and, and uh, the assistant general counsel a call. Uh, we, we went over to the track. We got to see the car in person, which is like it's super cool. Uh, and we watched it uh, go around the track a couple of times. Um, so that's that's definitely one of the the cooler um, experience, uh, exciting projects that I've worked on so far. And I think my second one is uh, my second favorite project is probably like a filming agreement that I did with one of our uh, race tracks. Um, so and, and and the filming agreement was for the movie Ford versus Ferrari. Uh, I'm not too sure if you had a chance to see that, but it's yeah. a movie. Everyone should go see it if they if they get the chance. Uh, if they haven't had the chance yet. So it was really cool to see that that um, term sheet come across my desk one day. And then a year later, I'm watching the movie and I can recognize like our racetrack in the movie. And I know like, oh, that's, you know, that's the bridge right there. That's like where they shot the scene at. So that was, that was pretty cool. That's very cool. Did they let you drive the car? Uh, no, no, they didn't. They, they leave that up to the professionals. I, I did not get to drive the drive the car. I've been on the track um, uh, and, and ridden at high speeds, but I haven't uh, driven a car yet. Uh, so about the industry at large, and this could be about NASCAR or it could be about the sports industry. Is there anything that surprised you? I mean, you've had a lot of different experiences in the field. Yeah, I would say as I would say, like as a sports industry, oh, like I was extremely surprised by the amount of stakeholders involved in the actual industry. So as a fan, like when you when you watch a basketball game or football game, like the only thing you're really thinking about are like the teams and the players. Uh, maybe you think about the coaches, but really you're really just thinking about the teams and the players. Right. Um, so that's like the league and like the union. But like you also have to think about at least working in house, you have to think about all the other stakeholders that go into putting on an event. Um, so you have to think about the team. You have to think about the players or the drivers. You have to think about the sponsors. Uh, you have to think about the media partners putting on the game, whether it's ESPN or Fox or CBS, um, NBC. Um, you also have to think about the vendors working um, with those uh, uh, to, to help put on the game. Um, you have to think about the, the facility that you're at, uh, whether whether it's owned or it's it's owned by like the local government or if it's owned by uh, a private company, whether it's a team or a racetrack that owns it. Uh, and then you also have to think about like the local government partners. Right. So like in this last year has been uh, a very eye opening experience uh, due to covid. It's it's like we have to work very closely with with our local government partners in order to make sure that we can get into a state and actually run an event safely. Um, so when making decisions, especially in-house, it's it's really necessary to, to take that global view of things and really understand how like decisions really impact all the stakeholders involved in, in the industry um, and not just like the teams and the players. And so how do you go about keeping that perspective? Are you like making a chart where you're categorizing every group or how, how do you go about that? Yeah. So I think at least at NASCAR, we have, we have different attorneys that specialize in different areas. Um, so when it comes to uh, like uh, our media partners, 
Um, we have attorneys up in our Charlotte office that work extremely close with our media partners. Um, so whenever there's something that could um, interfere or inter um, uh, impact our media partners, I'm always picking their brain, getting their advice, like getting their thoughts on whatever might have an impact on that particular partner. Um, same thing with uh, different sponsors or different vendors, um, as well as, you know, we, we own and operate some of our racetracks that we race at every week. But we also have attorneys here in-house that are the main attorneys for um, those racetracks. So if there's an issue from a competition side of things where I work at um, that deals with the racetrack, I'll, you know, usually I'll like just walk to their office and, and talk through an issue. So it's good to, to kind of have different uh, perspectives and, and different um, attorneys in-house that wear different hats at different times. That's all very interesting how it relates. Um, so you mentioned this past year and that obviously a lot going on. It was a kind of a nationwide reckoning with racial injustice this past year. And NASCAR really found itself at the center of a couple of those discussions. Uh, the organization made the decision to ban the, the Confederate battle flag. Um, there was the discovery of the uh, pull rope. Uh, tied in the shape of a noose uh, in Bubba Wallace's Talladega garage. Um, how did those issues impact the sport and how did they affect your work in particular? Yeah. So I would, in terms of like the impact that the, the flag ban had on NASCAR as a sport, um, I think it was extremely positive. Um, I think we've seen, extreme support from our fans uh, in the motorsports industry. And then, uh, you know, we've seen extreme support from observer, observers from the outside that had no interest or, you know, didn't even have NASCAR on their radar. They, they supported the, the ban. So ultimately, I think with, with the Confederate flag ban at NASCAR events, um, our, our messaging from the beginning was to make sure that everyone understood that we weren't closing any doors or, or um, trying to turn turn fans away from coming to our events at all. Um, we're actually doing the opposite. We're making clear that we're making, you know, we're opening the doors for everyone to be a part of the NASCAR family and the NASCAR racing experience, which is, is, this is a really great experience um, if you ever have a chance to actually attend an event. Uh, in terms of my day-to-day, -day, uh, I, I personally didn't have any direct involvement uh, either in the ban or the enforcement of the ban. Um, so I think at that time, we we just, uh, that first weekend uh, after we banned the flag, we were in Talladega uh, Speedway, which is in Alabama. Uh, and we had some of our attorneys actually there on site, uh, mostly because that was the first time we actually had uh, race fans back um, after COVID. So I think that was like mid-June or July. Um, so we had our general counsel there. Uh, we had uh, two other attorneys there as well. Um, and, and after speaking with them, the amount of fans that showed up at the event with um, either Confederate flag or Confederate flag like merchandise, it was extremely small. There's like a handful of people. Um, and, and, and when they were asked to either remove it or take it down, um, really got no pushback at all. So from an enforcement standpoint, it's, it's been extremely effective and hopefully um, that, that's a trend that will continue throughout the rest of the time. And with the, uh, the, the pull rope, um, that was a, another instance. So was your office or, or any of the attorneys involved in that or was that more of uh, law enforcement handling that? So that was that was mostly um, law enforcement. I mean, our, our competition team, they're actually on site. Uh, we do have our competition um, VP, one of our competition VPs. Uh, his name's John Bobo. He's a former um, attorney or he is an attorney himself, um, former prosecutor. Um, so he was actually on site um, at that time. And then we we're also working with either local law enforcement um, and, and eventually the FBI came in as well. Uh, but uh, fortunately and unfortunately, that, that that situation was above my pay grade. Um, so it, it was really handled. Um, any any legal issues related to that uh, were handled by our general counsel and our chief legal officer at the time as well. 
And you did touch on COVID a little bit. I, I wanted to mention NASCAR was one of the first sports to be able to get fans back. Uh, what was the the process behind that? And um, what, was that something that you were particularly proud of that you were able to do it in a safe way? Yeah, definitely. And I think, uh, especially as it relates to COVID, just like the more information that we know about COVID and, and the virus and, and how it's transmitted, um, I mean, obviously, with NASCAR being an outdoor sport, that that helps us um, immensely. So it not it not only helps us with our drivers who are participating in you know uh, different cars, so they're socially distanced. Our pit crew, you know, have helmets on and, and fire suits, so they're protected with their own you know PPE uh, before anyone knew what PPE was. Um, so from there, we actually had. Um, inherent uh, competitive advantages to going back. Um, bringing back fans was uh, a, a tough thing, uh, but it, it was, you know, obviously a proud thing that we're um, uh, proud of that we're able to do um, safely uh, with social distancing. I'm not too sure um, if you've ever been to uh, a NASCAR race or uh, if anyone's in the audience, but our, our, our facilities are huge. Um, so at an event like Daytona or Talladega, it's a super speedway. Um, and I think in Daytona in particular, uh, it's large enough that it can fit all of the uh, other arenas and um, stadiums of professional teams inside of Daytona International Speedway. So that's another inherent competitive advantage that we had, just the size. So we we're able to have fans back like in social distance throughout the entire um, throughout the entire grandstands. Um, and plus the virus, you know, it, it, it's not as transmittable um, outdoors versus indoors in close quarters. Um, so with with all of those inherent competitive advantages, um, plus working closely with our public and governmental affairs and um, the local government, uh, we're extremely proud um, to have fans and, and continue uh, to ramp up to different levels of fans and Hopefully sometime this year we'll be able to have a sellout crowd um, and kind of go back to normal like 2019. Yeah, there's nothing like hearing that roar of the crowd. I've been missing in all the sports. And as for the different stadiums fitting inside, I remember a few years ago at Bristol, they they did the Virginia Tech-Tennessee football game, which uh, I think that's awesome when you get a little crossover like that. Yeah, it is. Um, so I, I wanted to circle back to... Uh, your ongoing relationship with the law school. Obviously, uh, we're also happy that you were able to do this event. Um, and and we mentioned paying it forward a little bit. Did you have mentors in law school and how how did you go about finding them? Yeah, uh, no, I, I definitely had mentors in law school. I think I think me personally being born and raised in Minnesota, I had I had mentors already that really weren't in the legal industry. Um, that really helped me um, throughout my law school uh, tenure um, and, and continue to this day to help me out. Um, but many, many of the, the mentors that I've met in the legal industry have come from previous roles that I had. Um, so either with the NFLPA um, and NASCAR in particular, um, I've, I've had the opportunity to work with some amazing uh, and extremely smart and talented attorneys. Um, so anytime I can get their advice on a situation, um, I, I'm always, I'm always like jumping at that opportunity to kind of pick their brain and, and, and just kind of talk about, um, either different legal issues or, or kind of like our, our career paths. And you mentioned some of the people from Minnesota law who are currently working in the sports industry, or, you know, they're currently working in, in different industries. Do you still keep in touch with a lot of your classmates and people that you overlapped with at the school? Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely do. I, um, I definitely uh, keep in touch, uh, probably not as often as I should or, or definitely want to, especially like me being here based in Daytona Beach, Florida. I and my classmates still um, or a lot of them still in Minnesota. Uh, but I definitely reach out, especially um, uh, one of my colleagues uh, or former um, students that I overlapped with. She works for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I I always um, kind of bounce ideas off of, or will bounce ideas off of every every few months here. So, and um, as for uh, building connections, I know that a major tool that you talked about with networking is informational interviews, and the Career Center does a great job at teaching us how to go about doing that. Was there anything else that you did 
uh, which really helped you start to build your sports law network? Yeah, definitely. I think, well, so in law school, I, I was like, uh, like the vice president and president of the sports uh, law um, association. Um, so being able to be in that role and to reach out um, to attorneys with the Vikings or with the Minnesota United um, at the time or um, different attorneys working in, at law firms that uh, worked um, with sports order organizations. I think, I think that was really helpful for me in terms of building that. I think in general, like um, I think all attorneys really love talking to law students and, and giving back as much as possible, especially when there's um, a, a, a connection with that student, uh, whether it's with um, a student organization that they participated in or whether it's specific to a law school. Um, so I definitely uh, encourage all students to take advantage of that as, as much as possible. Absolutely. And um, so I, the last question that I have for you is uh, what, what's next for you? Do you have anything that you're really looking forward to this year? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, for me personally, I'm just looking at continuing to, to really grow in my role here at NASCAR and really learn as much as possible, both um, personally and professionally. Um, in terms of our sport, like there's a lot of cool projects that we're working on that will, you know, come down the line in the next two or three years. Uh, one I mentioned earlier that's starting next year is the, the next gen of race car. So I'm ex extremely excited uh, to see the fruits of our labor um, go go on tour nationally next year. Um, so hopefully just me, I'm just really just kind of focused on continuing to grow uh, um, in, in my career and, and grow here at NASCAR. That's great. Thank you, Hakeem. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you both. So at this time, we've reached the audience Q&A portion of our program. So attendees, please feel free to enter your questions into the Q&A chat function. And while we wait for questions to come in, remember to check the chat as well for a link to the student org sports loss podcast, Conduct Detrimental, and for the profiles on our panelists. Those links will be there in your chat function. So while we uh, get some questions to come in, let's, I'd like to ask Taryn, could you tell us a little bit more about your Minnesota law experience as a 2L now, um, maybe where you've worked and if uh, you and Hakeem have shared any similar experiences? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'm also really happy to serve in the, the role of vice president of the Sports Law Association right now. So that's definitely something that Hakeem and I had in common. Um, another thing is that I worked in sports beforehand. I went to get my graduate degree in business with the intention of working in professional baseball, and that ended up happening. And so this, uh, I, I saw law school as a way to continue to develop skills that would be valuable, whether they be for a professional team or, or, or an organization or even anything sports adjacent. So this summer, I'm going to be uh, working at a firm in Minneapolis, Fredrickson and Byron, which they have a sports area, which uh, I'm really excited about. And there's some great people over there. And I'm excited to continue learning how to be a, a really good lawyer. That's something that I really got from Hakeem's conversation today is that the importance of doing good work and learning how to be the best attorney that you can possibly be. As for my uh, reasoning for coming to the University of Minnesota, so I, I, with some friends from high school, we like to go to the Final Four. Um, so I've been to the last couple of Final Fours with them. And in 2019, it was in Minneapolis at U.S. Bank Stadium where the Vikings play. And I had applied to uh, Minnesota Law School because, you know, it's obviously a great school. And uh, I was considering there or, or going somewhere on the East Coast where I'm from. And uh, I, I visited the school and everybody seemed just very happy in the admissions department. And it was a really enjoyable tour to go on. And it was better than the tours that I had been on at other schools. Um, but the biggest difference to me was, um, you know, I, at, at some of the other schools, I tried to get professors who taught sports law on the phone just to talk for like 10, 15 minutes, kind of get a better idea of the program and, uh, and, you know, what I might be able to offer and what I might be able to learn. 
and it, it was just like pulling teeth. So I was uh, uh, assigned uh, Professor Zamoff, Mitch Zamoff, who uh, teaches Civ Pro and Evidence and a bunch of other classes at, at the law school. And, uh, and he was assigned to recruit me. And he spent nearly an hour on the phone with me uh, the, the Sunday in between the Saturday Final Four games and the Monday Championship, uh, talking to me about everything and, and really made the decision easy for me. And uh, so I think that that is the, the rule and not the exception, that there are great professors and great people at the University of Minnesota that are willing to take that time and, uh, and communicate with you and, and help you grow into a better person. So uh, definitely appreciate Professor Zamoff and all of the people at uh, the University of Minnesota. And a special shout out to my uh, career counselor, Wendy Griak. She uh, helped me so much this past year, uh, past two years in, in getting the job that I'm really excited about. So uh, I, I love the University of Minnesota. I'm so excited that you asked me to be a part of this today. We're so glad you're here. So one of the themes I'm hearing is this idea about having conversations with people in your, that are in career roles that you admire, that you're trying to explore. We call these conversations informational interviews. So Hakeem, I'm curious if you have any um, best practices or tips of pieces of advice for students who are um, going to conduct informational interviews and how they can do so effectively? Yeah, I would say um, it, do your research. Um, so making sure that you kind of know like what the attorney um, that you're, you want to reach out to actually does. Uh, if there's articles on them, like read up. Um, beca because there's like so much on the internet now, don't ask really like basic questions. Ask questions that are really going to help you and serve you. Um, especially if some, you know, someone's willing to spend 20, 30, you know, 60 minutes of their time, really like dive deep. Don't ask surface level questions um, like, you know, what school you went to or, or things that's like commonly um, or easily accessible. Um, I, I would also just say, don't be discouraged if you don't get a response right away. Um, so making sure that you follow up. It's it's kind of like a, a fine line between like following up a lot and like harassment, right? So it's it's so I, I would like and, and sometimes it's kind of like touch touch and feel with that uh, in terms of like how like how to know uh, when to follow up with someone or uh, when you know that person might just be busy at that time and just not really not really have the capacity to like follow up or, or do an informational interview. Um, so I think those are my two two main keys of advice. Great advice. So you kind of mentioned this, but in addition to doing the, the research online, what industry news or publications or other online resources do you recommend students interested in sports and entertainment law tap into or keep an eye on? Yeah. So I would say the sports law, uh, lawyers association is definitely number one. Um, and then for me, in terms of just like business, or, you know, um, like really like, like we have like a saying here at NASCAR, like business issues are legal issues and legal issues are business issues. Um, so there's not really like the outside of like the sports lawyers association. I don't think there's really um, too many lawyer specific um, articles or topics or, or websites you can go to, but I definitely like recommend going to like Sportico, uh, which is a like sports business um, site that just launched uh, earlier in the pandemic. Um, Front Office Sports is another great one. I mean, obviously, you can go to like ESPN or like the Ringer, uh, different like websites like that to kind of really get a deep dive in terms of like what's actually going on in the industry. Um, Sports Business Journal is another one. Um, I think you, uh, if you become a, if you're a student and you have a student membership through the Sports Lawyers Association, you get a free membership to the sports business journal um, and the sports business journal. I read every day uh, or catch up on the weekends just because there's so much uh, on the business side of sports that really impact legal issues as well. And they, uh, and so Hakeem, when you suggested that to me on the first call that we had, I signed up for that 
And, uh, and so they send a really great digest email every day. So you can not only learn about the, the major headlines, but they're all attuned to sports business. So it, it's perfect. And Sportico is great. There's um, uh, a lot of articles on there. Michael McCann is a great author. He talks about basically issues at the intersection of sports and law and business also. And uh, as far as podcasts go, if you want to listen to um, like the Sports Business Journal does the morning buzzcast with Abe Madcor, that's really great, especially during the early days of the pandemic when, you know, information is kind of changing all the time. You're like, what is going on? That was really helpful to me to know what was going on and where things were headed. So uh, those are all really great resources. Agreed. Okay. We have an audience question here. How do you think, Hakeem, your prior position with the Minnesota League of Cities informed your job performance with NASCAR now? Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's a great question. I think with the League of Minnesota Cities, um, I did some labor and employment work there, uh, which uh, was was very helpful for my experience with the uh, with the law school, but also, you know, I see some labor and employment issues here at NASCAR as well. Um, my, my job with the, the League of Minnesota Cities um, was really researching uh, different laws and advising um, city attorneys, city council members, um, you know, different like residents of cities on what the actual law is. So, so gaining that research background actually helps me a lot um, um, when I'm trying to research different legal issues here at NASCAR, um, especially when, you know, I'm trying to figure out an issue and I don't want to go to outside counsel with a very open-ended question because uh, uh, budgetary reasons, I don't, you know, I don't want to to run up our, our budget on a very wide open issue. So having that background on, on researching very specific um, laws and legal issues definitely helps me now to this day. Great. Okay. We'll give another minute if anyone from the audience wants to submit another question. And if not, we can go ahead and sign off early. But thank you very much again to our panelists and for everyone um, who attended today. Again, there will be a link uh, to the recording that you will receive uh, in email after today's um, session. So thank you very much again. Have a great day. And for those in Minnesota, stay warm. This podcast has been brought to you by the University of Minnesota Law School. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And subscribe to our YouTube channel for more Minnesota Law stories, news, and information. To subscribe to the official Minnesota Law podcast channel, please visit soundcloud.com backslash Minnesota Law or find us on your preferred podcast network. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, the University of Minnesota or the University of Minnesota Law School. None of the content should be considered legal advice.